You're listening to the NAGRA Podcasters Network. In the heart of the One Dish with One Spoon Treaty Territory, Nagrans Sean Vanderclis and Carl Dockstader dish on any and all issues from a First Nations perspective. From pipeline politics to poverty to pan-Indianism and more, Sean shares his concrete curve lake take and Carl gives an urban Oneida angle. You are listening to One Dish, One Mic on the Niagara Podcasters Network. So Sean, you vote. Yes, sir. I don't vote. For anybody who's interested in, in having a little more context to that, listen to our second episode ever. I just listened to it. It was it was pretty cool. Was so, it good? Yeah, I think the summary, though, uh, to sum it all up for our listeners, is that I was right, you were wrong. Bullshit. <laughs> On that note, though, one thing we did do was we reached consensus that it's important to be informed about the issues. And none of the other podcasts on the network have actually done any kind of a uh, campaign breakdown. So okay. We're going we're gonna to do that for our listeners just, just in time for the Queen's birthday is the queen does she have a birth is there a cake is there her kids th- are getting married i right? thought this was national get drunk weekend is that what it is, is may that what two, may four? two four is? it's the may two four yeah yeah it's, it's about beer but it's also queen victoria's the celebration of queen victoria's birthday oh. uh-huh. so not only are we celebrating the queen but we're celebrating like a queen from like two queens ago it, oh. it does it's it doesn't make any sense to me i i am roughly loosely a, a monarchist i like that sense of tradition but especially after listening to um oh by the way guys can i say stuff yeah. well yeah, not okay, yeah. not after you identified as a monarch <laughs> traditionalist <laughs> this is kind of like a regional crossover episode though like this is this is technically one dish one mic if you're listening your radio is not broken yes it is but dun, dun, th- this dun. is this is trevor i'm the re- recording engineer for the show right and uh I, he's our producer he's the king, he's yeah. the king of the niagara podcasters network yes he is yeah he really is yeah because it's kind of self-proclaimed and yeah <laughs> there was a proclamation there was <laughs> yes i mean i was invent- a wonderful ceremony i invented a uh, national producers day by the way do you Did see you? that yes oh, nice. that awesome. oh, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> all right so today we're going to help everybody get primed for the election coming up uh, i don't participate directly in the election myself but i do believe that it's important to keep abreast of the key issues so we're gonna we're gonna roll through the party platforms and uh i think what i'll do is i'll moderate and maybe poll you fine gentlemen for a little bit of feedback so uh do you right off the hop have you already picked who you're gonna vote for and uh, no 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 are you gonna vote yes okay yes i've i've picked one uh one group who i will not vote for yes <laughs> oh okay right. do we need to declare a conflict like strategic is there, is there any reason for listeners of the progressive conservative party of ontario to listen to this podcast from here on out is there anything in here for oh, them well i mean if my name's on the 407 list <laughs> that's true yeah. you guys need to get the hell out <laughs> We should probably take a take a fair crack. I don't know. I mean, we could start it ideologically. Yeah. Uh, the, the PC Party of Ontario has 40% of the vote. They've been consistently polling there for the past year. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's Patrick Brown or uh, <laughs> Rob Ford or, or anybody, right? They've been sitting there on their 40% base. Is that enough? Like, is the election over? Is there even a point in doing this podcast? Is it Has it been decided? If, I mean, if it has been decided, shame on Ontarians. Seriously. Shame on you guys. It's the amount of controversy, the amount of um, wrongdoing that's come up over the last, what, 
eight months, nine months is embarrassing if you're even considering voting. And this is my problem with party, party politics is there's a blind loyalty where these people are willing to jump off a cliff purely in the name of being progressively conservative. If that's not stupidity, I don't know what is. Um, so the Dutch side of my family, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you guys are going to all vote PC, but you're stupid. What do you think, Trevor? Is this over? So, no, I, I don't think it is because I think even when, if if you look historically and even when parties have polled in that kind of range, there's still a lot that can happen in uh, in the election campaign to erode that. Okay. And uh, I think we I think we saw that in the last uh, couple of uh, progressive conservative uh, uh, runs in in the campaign where you've had uh, John Tory, you've had Tim Hudak, who have all entered the race with those kinds of leads. And then through things that happen in the campaign, those leads erode. And next thing you know, the outcome changes based on what we thought, um, particularly uh, particularly Tim Hudak, that was that was the conservatives' campaign to lose, and they succeeded wholeheartedly. That's that's fair. I mean, there uh, a lot of times modern political pundits are on gaff watch, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But is is the new conservative political engine gaff proof? Because the chatter that I've seen out on social media is that it, I don't care about the scandals. I don't care about all of the politics. I care about the issues. I care about cutting red tape. I care about making it easier for small businesses. I care about relief in my pocketbook and cutting the gas prices by 10 cents. Like that's the, It's a populist campaign. It's a popular conservative populist positions, and it seems to be working. So while we're all gaff watching, is this campaign gaff proof? I think so. I think that it's more gaff proof than past elections, but there's still there. The people that we're listening to, right They're they are uh, loud, they're vocal, they're very present, but they don't represent everybody. You know what I mean? That there's the whole bunch in the middle still. Mm-hmm. Like I think even as divisive as, you know, our politics have become, and even as, um, excuse me, even as uh, bold the, you know, the opponents on either side are, there's still a whole bunch of people in the middle who look at those interactions and say, that's really extreme on both sides. That's not how I think about things. And I think you have a lot of people who are sitting back and saying, I really like this part about, you know, this part about this platform, but I like this part about this other party's platform and they're still struggling to make that uh that decision there are a lot of people who i also think would um would generally vote conservative who um who feel really uncomfortable voting about uh, voting with uh this current party right for all the reasons that you know uh that populist campaigns, you know, don't end up doing. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with a populist campaign in particular. Like if you, if you find a way to, to rally that sort of grassroots support, that's great. But the, the problem with our, with our say North American populist campaigns is that we, we don't end up uh, people who get elected on those, on that basis, they never follow through. Right. So it's which then just adds to the cynicism because it's like, geez, I voted for the guy who said he was going to, you know, 
change things how I wanted, and he didn't do anything, or she didn't do anything. Yeah, I mean, hopefully voters kind of come to that point, right? But what do, what do you think about about the popular? Like, it is resonating, right? Is that that seems to be a yeah, fair I, point? Well, I mean, I, I think it's a, a build off over the Trump effect in the United States. There's this rise in uneducation and stupidity that's appealing to people, and it just blows my mind. Right? Um, Ford makes a claim that he is going to immediately terminate the um, CEO of Hydro One. Well. Unfortunately, in Ontario, we have laws that prevent that, and you are in no position or place to have that type of say over a private company. While we may have 40% of shares in Hydro One, we actually don't have the authority to fire anybody, right? Um, no, but we do have the, we do have the authority to um, replace directors on the board who are responsible for the hiring and firing. Right. But <laughs> we don't have the ability to do that. Right? I mean, is it? Is oh, it, yeah. No, like, like, like so I, I, with, I just, Hy with Hydro One specifically, yeah. the legislation that led to the privatization, yeah. um, we do, uh, we do still um, have the uh, ability to uh, replace, no, I, to I, replace directors. And it's those directors who, who could hire or fire right. the I mean, the it's, it's, a, it's right? a semantical point, but just, I mean, going off the, I'm using a McLean's article as a sort of reference point for okay. this. And, and basically the power has shifted away from the way it used to work. Like once upon a time, even when they broke up Ontario Hydro into the five later four yeah. entities, yeah. they were still public entities. Now Hydro One has, has been uh, about half, they're about half private. So, so it is, it is tricky, but I, I actually, I want to ask you guys if, if you've ever worked for a company that's had any kind of a corporate takeover, dramatic change, or have you worked at a place where people have come in and been, been rapid fired it's it's i have yeah and it's toxic yeah. the second that starts to happen it's toxic nobody knows what's happening you lose the entire staff and i think that making bold claims about about firing ceos right off the hop i think that that's that's dangerous and it's bad business yeah i agree and uh, and this is this is what leads me to you know i've i've looked a lot at the the uh one of the things that's really important to me when I'm looking at potential leaders, right, is how they react in certain situations, right? And you look at how the three, uh, the three party leaders have conducted themselves. Um, and for me, when you look at how they act, there's really only two choices, right? Because there's, there's really only two people who are composing themselves in a way that speaks to the leadership style that resonates with me mike schreiner and the libertarian <laughs> just kidding yes just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no I, I and like i i don't want to uh like for me that you know that's the two remaining options are basically kathleen Wynn and andrea horvath and like i i don't know i don't know how i'm going to go in that uh in that conversation so well, let's yeah. stick. I'm, I'm first to, to go. It's like I'm. Yeah, okay. I'm. Yeah. I'm PC free. So. Yeah. But there, there's. But the... I have voted. Sorry, I have voted PC before, right? So it's. it's oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, can I we have. shut off his okay. microphone? Or... Marnarchist <laughs> traditionalist <laughs> and has voted PC. You did. You guys didn't let me finish about that. that. That's not how I feel now. Oh, you matured. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yes. Being exposed to new ideas, hey, led me to different uh, opinions on those ideas. That's fair. Imagine that. Right. 
Right. Well, let's let's get back to talking about ideas. Okay. There. Uh, what is there? Is there a policy plank? Because I think that's the other thing that gets lost. I mean, I, I turn on our uh, the big league station six ten CKTV and I listen to them talk about politics, and they do do a good job talking about policy, but they also spend a lot of time talking about pl- politics and the optics and personalities and right. which leader resonates more. And those are things that resonate with voters, so that is all fair game. But is there is there a policy plank that is key to you in the upcoming Ontario election? Well, I mean, not to me, but one of the biggest policy policy issues is taxes that people are scared of or people run from. And that you really see that the contrast between the NDP and the PCs, right? PCs are claiming they're going to cut taxes. They're claiming that they're going to maintain the current $14 minimum wage and stop the increase to $15. Um, whereas the NDP have clearly stated that they're going to increase taxes on people who make a substantial amount of money. They're going to impose a, um, a luxury tax on very sp- high-end cars, uh, things of that nature. Um, now, for me personally, I am a socialist. I'm a democratic socialist at heart, so I'm in favor of of, of taxes. I believe that taxes um, provide for the greater good of our economy and the greater good of society. Uh, I'm not one to be all about myself. Do you know what I mean? Like when I get yeah. money, the first thing I do is I give it away. It's it's bad. I'm horrible with money. Um, my kids need something, we go buy it. My friends need something, we go buy it, right? That's just who I am as a person. Um, so I think I think for a lot of people, taxes are an issue. Uh, we've had we've seen a huge increase in taxes under the liberal leadership lately. So some of those people aren't going to be too happy, right? The liberals just increased minimum wage. So that was a, affecting businesses. Those are air quotes, by the way. Um, that are going to piss a lot of people off. Um, so that's Doug Ford's opportunity to pounce, but I mean, he's really not providing any substance to what he's claiming. He's just saying, we're going to slash taxes. And I guess that's, that's the question I have is the PCs are positioning themselves as the fiscally responsible party. And they're saying that they're being fiscally responsible by, by doing things like cutting taxes, but that becomes a bit of an economic paradox, right? Like they're going to cut 10 cents a liter from the gas tax uh, or from what we pay at the pump, right? We're paying the coming into this weekend. I saw, I didn't see prices for less than a dollar 35 a liter everywhere in in agar. It was dollar 40 the other day. Yeah. So 41. Doug Ford's going to come in and he's going to cut that by 10 cents. About 5 cents is going to come from cutting a provincial tax. Yeah. Another 5 cents is going to come by eliminating cap and trade funds that, that come in. And he's he's going to yeah. take that right off the Carbon top. Tax. But that's that's going to leave a $10 billion hole in in the deficit or in the budget. A $10 billion hole. Like the, the entire budget is only a couple hundred billion. So we're talking about a, a pretty major chunk of the budget mm-hmm. that he's just going to take out. So I guess that's, I mean, I, I don't know if voters are going to figure that out or not, though, because on the one hand, you have you have uh, King Doug that's making promises that, oh, I'm going to save you all this money and save you money at the pump and cut taxes. People making less than $28,000 a year, he's saying, are not going to pay an income tax. So that's going to offset the fact that he's going to cancel the minimum wage hike. But then you you have any sensible economist that, that's coming out and saying this isn't going to work. And the main knock against the liberals, the reason why the liberals probably don't have a chance in this election is because they've been going against the wishes of the Auditor General for the past decade or so in the interest of trying to win elections and stimulate the economy. So is anybody going to check the math on the PC party? 
are my numbers right, Trevor? Like this, this, no, they it, based on based on my understanding uh, of them, I I believe that uh, that they are the the oh, I guess the overarching trend there is that the uh, the progressive conservatives are uh, well, the liberals they're they're saying you know we're, we're going to do these things, and they actually have probably the most detailed costing to their plan, and. Even though the auditor general, you know, it, the it, it, there are disagreements with it, they sort of have like the best numbers because the one in government usually does, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have they have all the numbers because it's based on what they've been doing, so they can they can more accurately uh, cost things and they can more rely, I think, reasonably and reliably promise things. These are so, some of the benefits that you get from being the the incumbent. Yeah, you can right? call up the ministry and ask, "What are the real numbers?" On, it, exactly. Yeah, the other parties can't. Um, and uh, if you look at the if you look at the the PC uh, uh, platform, they're yeah they're they're talking about uh, scrapping the minimum wage hike. They're um, introducing the income tax credit. Uh, I'm looking at uh, uh, McLean's has a breakdown of um, uh, of all the three uh, party platforms. There uh, there's a tax rebate uh, program. Um, all these things, yeah. That the primary. The primary problem is that none of this stuff is costed yet, right? As a as a platform, you should have you should have ideas, and you should have the budget behind them so that you can understand how feasible they are and how they're going to take. And the, the PCs have not delivered on that uh, on that part yet. So, like some of this, um, the like the middle class income tax cuts by you know by twenty percent. That appeals to me because I'm in that, I'm in that bracket, right? So that would have an impact on me, but I don't understand what services I'm giving up as a result of that. Because there, we know that there's going to be cuts. That's how he's. That's how he's talking. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, make these savings by cutting. And it's like, okay, but what are you going to cut? Because I may not need those services, but somebody else might. And if you cut them, we don't have them. So, uh, which leads me to. I, I want to have more conversations around how, you know, how those services are, uh, you know, delivered rather than necessarily cutting them. Right. I want to have conversations around who qualifies for, you know, for those services. And if they don't qualify, what, you know, what happens then, you know, things, things like that. It's in my mind. Right. So when I'm making these decisions, a lot of these problems aren't, uh, they're not, we don't have uh, enough money to do these things. Right. It's like maybe we could be spending the money better for people who need it more, you know, and, and that sort of thing and prioritizing that. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of these programs that just have sort of like a blanket nature to them. It's like everybody within that, you know, within that cohort, right, qualifies and then they just get it. And we could probably more smartly, you know, allocate those um, those resources based on uh, based on need. Well, Doug Ford is talking about efficiencies, and that's that's the argument: is that the PC government is going to find the efficiencies? They, I think, I've seen this in in every political election ever that conservative governments are going to find efficiencies, and left leaning governments are going to use corporate tax rates to uh, corporate tax increases to magically pay for everything. The magic dragons, they call them. Yeah, yeah the magic dragon of conservative thinking is efficiency, and the magic dragon of of liberal 
still thinking is corporate tax increases that are going to pay for any and all social programs that we could ever need. But the numbers don't bear out on that. But do in this particular campaign, do the numbers matter, Sean? Do the numbers matter? Yeah, I mean, does the math like none of none of these parties? One party is saying they're going to balance the budget next year with zero math to back it up. But the reality is that that maybe they should just stop talking about balancing the budget. I mean, do the numbers ever matter though? Really? Um, should they matter? Yes, a hundred percent. But in reality, the PCs have one job, and that's to be literally the opposite of the liberals, and they need to share as little as possible and st- stick to attacking Kathleen Wynne. So do the numbers matter? They should matter. Like in, in, a, in a functioning democratic society, we should be holding our politicians to account. We should be checking and balancing everything that they state and everything that they claim. And in my opinion, there should be also some sort of accountability that needs to be held if they make a, a campaign promise and don't fulfill it come, come them being the government. Um, but in reality, that's not how our democratic society works. Uh, people don't really pay attention to the minute details of, of campaign promises. What they do do is look for buzzwords like tax breaks and incentives and minimum wage increases and all these things that, that sound really good when you hear them, but are going to have a devastating effect either being on the left side or the right side, right? I, like I'm pro um minimum wage increase but to say that that wasn't going to have an effect on our economy is is naive of me right we all knew that that was going to have an effect on our economy um tax breaks right that sounds good to some people but that tax dollar those tax dollars have to come from somewhere some service is getting cut it's it's mathematically impossible to to cut taxes and remain uh, and maintain the status quo so won't will that be the thing then that swings this? Because I guess that's I mean that's sort of the overarching theme of of this particular election analysis episode. Is it is it a fait accompli that the PCs are going to win? But uh, if if that isn't something that's been set in stone, it seems to be because Ontarians will realize that they like living in a socialist province, right, in the middle of a socialist country, and that they the people like services, right? That's that's what undid Hudak, the hundred thousand dollar job cut or the 100,000 jobs that, that he was going to cut from government, right? People were looking at, is that my job? Is that a service that I use? Is that something that benefits me, right? Yeah. Is it, I mean, is there a general consensus, even of the, the conservative-leaning people? There is. There does seem to be a general consensus in Ontario that people like programs and services, and the government serves a function other than, well, they never balance the books, right? So what, what uh, does it maybe take it back to policy then? And let's, let's take finances out of this, even though that's the media, the mainstream media is doing a good job covering it, talking about taxes and talking about all of the financial implications and, and allegedly balancing budgets and stuff like that. But if we, if we took that out of it, if, if one party was going to win this election, regardless of the party, and it was based on some sort of vital change or improvement they were going to make in Ontario. What would that change or improvement be to you, Sean? What would that change or improvement be to me? That's a good question. I'm so used to fighting the small battles that I haven't actually looked at the <laughs> the be all end all. Do you know what I mean? Um, like some of the top issues are are of course deficits and taxes. Those yeah. are the top two on the McLean's article that we're referencing that we'll put in the put in the show notes for sure. But the other issues are hydro. This has been a big hydro debate. Uh, healthcare, marijuana, education, environment and energy, transportation. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the Ring of Fire, yeah. right? Or or grassy narrows and the mercury poisoning. Yeah. There are some indigenous issues that are that are 
here, but they're like, you know, 11th, 12th, 13th down, down the list. So even, even from that, like, do you have feelings on hydro, healthcare, education, the environment, transportation, the go train? No, for me, I mean, the go train is a matter of time, in my opinion. Um, Gentrification will take care of the go train. Exactly. We know it's coming, right? Political process does for better, (laughs) for worse. Um, Healthcare. I'm a huge uh, advocate for healthcare. I think we need to increase increase services. Uh, again, like I want to vote the NDP this election. I really do. Um, but and it is are the NDP going to beat Jim Bradley in St. Catharines? I don't know yet. Um, they, I mean, they took out Malcolm Allen for strategic reasons. Yeah. Malcolm Allen was by every measure, like non-NDP people had a yeah. lot of respect for Malcolm Allen because he was a good MPP. Yeah. yeah. Or, sorry, he was a good MP. And Vance Badaway came out of nowhere, Mr. Business, yeah. Mr. Métis Business, yeah. uh, to take him out because of the red wave. Yeah. So is an orange wave the only thing that's going to stop Doug Ford? I hope so. I really do. Like, I mean, in, in a, an ideal world, the NDP get... A minority government, I think. I think that's within reason. I don't think a majority government is possible, but I mean, I'm I'm okay with that. Like, I uh, I actually would prefer. Uh, I think what we've seen is that majority governments um, typically uh, just run roughshod over everybody and yeah. just do what they want. I think the way to get responsible government in Ontario for the next you know one or two uh, one or two terms right. is to have minority governments I, I agree i i really think that you need to put poly party poly sorry party politics aside and, and show up and do work if your job is to be in politics start acting like politicians right negotiate use those skills that you have um so education is a huge one i'm i'm really happy that the ndp have support from the teachers um what else minimum wage Pharmaceutical uh, enhancements for um, pharmacare. Pharmacare, thank yeah. you. And dental. And dental, like yeah. that's those are huge yeah. to yeah. me. There's um, there's big parts of the the platform that that really uh, connect and, and resonate with me, and that's yeah. why the choice is so hard. Yeah. So. What uh, do you? Where are you leading right now? If you if mm. you had to vote, would you? And this is live. Yeah. Just, I know. Just, <laughs> hi everyone. Just so you know, Carrie Porter's commented. Scott Rose from. Um, Nagger this week has commented. Um, what, well, what are they saying? Uh, so, Carrie. Let's bring him into the conversation. Let's bring him into the fold. Carrie is yelling at me because of my minimum wage increase. Oh, wait. What I, I don't even know how to work this. <laughs> <laughs> nice classes, Trevor. Oh, see, I can't really see what it says. The minimum wage increase hasn't hasn't negatively affected the Ontario economy. Oh, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that. So, yeah. the, the Ontario economy right now yeah. is the strongest uh that it's uh that it's been in i think 20 years yeah. and if you look at the employment uh numbers the the kinds of jobs that are growing are the the minimum wage yeah. uh jobs they're the 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 part time uh like a lot of it is uh part time or full time but it's at that that sort of initial you know level yeah. that would suit a minimum wage job and so if that's the case if our economy is growing and the majority of jobs are coming in at that minimum wage level, then did the minimum wage really affect the economy how we thought? The other thing that I want to bring up is that if you if you talk to a lot of uh, folks like at the, you know, the Chamber of Commerce and things like that, their continued um, opposition to uh, to the bill, I, f- I forget what the number is, but the, the bill that became the minimum wage um, increase, uh, their primary opposition was that there were a whole lot more regulatory things 
wrapped up in that bill that caused a lot of problems that were actually worse than the minimum wage increase. But the challenge was whenever that, whenever groups tried to communicate what they didn't like about the bill, it always came back to minimum wage. And so people just think it's a minimum wage um, issue. It was more complicated than that, but they didn't do a good job framing the messaging, I think. Perfect. Scott Ross did jump in here and said that a cost, a cut also means a service being downloaded to another government where we pay out of pocket regardless. So I think, I mean, there's something right there. Politics and campaign promises sort of come into shifting, uh, shifting around pieces, but there, there is a finite amount of resources. There are a finite amount of people and the need is fixed, right? Like if you, if you cut the services by half, it's not like the need for the service goes down by half. As a matter of fact, you basically doubled the need for a service by, by creating less resources for it. Right. So there, I mean, I, I would love to see an economist proof all three of the party platforms, but I don't, I don't think it works like that anymore. I don't think that's how the, I don't think that's how the world shakes out. So it's true. People don't have time for logic or facts. Well, I, like, I, 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 I honestly believe that there's a re- I, there's a reason why our voter turnout numbers are so low is because the general population does not care. And the people that do care look at, again, buzzwords, keywords like tax increases or tax decreases, minimum wage hikes. It's, it's unfortunate. I really I, I feel bad saying this, but people don't care. If if I looked at the platforms based on their merit, yeah, I agree with the NDP uh, getting rid of standardized testing. I think that that I don't understand what's happening there. That's something that needs to go. Cool. I agree with the idea that uh, again the NDP platform that you need more long term beds and that like healthcare needs to be realigned. Healthcare is one of those things. For mm-hmm. example, like to Scott Ross' point about how you're just sort of moving money around when you make these changes. Not investing in health care creates a, a wellness deficit that someone's going to have to pay somewhere up the road yeah. sooner or later we, we have agreed that it, as a society we want to take care of sick people so right now if it if it takes a two billion dollar investment a 20 billion dollar investment if it takes more than that to invest in healthcare, like it's going to have to get fixed so when it comes to that plan i mean all, all three parties have have admitted that we need to spend more money on it yeah. And if, if you think about if you think about things like healthcare and dental and, you know, pharmacare, you know, all those things, spending money now means you spend less later. Right. So yeah. put, putting two thousand dollars into a problem early on, as an example, will mean that you don't spend twenty thousand dollars fixing that problem yeah. at a later stage. Right. So uh, a lot of this is about uh, prevention rather than intervention yeah Yeah. so and and i think that uh i think that you know maybe that's getting lost a little bit uh as well um in in digging into this one of the things that i think is um is interesting is there is a stark difference between the three platforms you can look at them and if you spend time going through it you can see what the differences are and in a lot of past campaigns that hasn't i think been as clear and so i think maybe uh I think maybe this idea of, you know, the the uh, the gaff proof uh, campaign. If anyone's going to test a gaff proof campaign, it's going to be Doug Ford. But <laughs> um, but without uh, to to test the, I think the counter to the gaff proof campaign is the fact that there are three pretty clear uh, choices that uh, that you can make, and 
I want to recognize that there are other choices that people can make. Um, but, you know, when you vote for one of those parties, you're, you know. Is it a waste vote? Well, a vote cast is never wasted. I couldn't agree more with right? that. Sentiment. So, um, but. Well, you guys always got to pick on me. <laughs> <laughs> because we're right and you're wrong. <laughs> I did throw that shot across the bow did, at the top of the. Look, I'm white. I can't, I can't help that. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, I think, I think we've covered a lot of ground. So, how long have we been uh, going? We're we... forty minutes ish. Okay. So, do you want to sum it up? We've covered a lot of ground, uh, but I, I'd love to know what if. Uh, let's use our traveling thought today for one last message for prospective voters. This this episode, uh, some there are actually a bunch of you that are watching us live on Facebook right now. Uh, but hopefully a lot more of you will listen to this episode that, that we're getting out for the for the long weekend so that while you talk with your family and friends over the campfire, hopefully we've helped inform some of the issues and some of the perspectives. But let's go ahead and take the traveling thought as one last opportunity to if if you had a message for people voting in this upcoming Ontario election, this is your one last chance to to tell them about the thing that you think that should be in their minds as they walk up to that ballot box and get ready to cast their choices in the election and, and i i'm gonna opt out of this traveling thought i was happy to help moderate today i think that this is a great use of the one dish one mic platform um but i have i have no comment officially uh but i'd love to hear what you guys have to think let's start with our guest well thanks for for having me today i think my um traveling thought is that this is a really serious and important choice we spend a lot of our money every year in taxes for supporting the government that builds the kind of society that we want. And so it, that means that we, we have to treat the decision um, carefully because it's really important and uh, spending a little bit of time in researching what kind of, um, which party represents the kind of Ontario that you want to live in. Um, I think is uh, is critically important to that conversation, and having discussions with friends and family, and uh, and other people where you uh, you talk about these things in a way that you're listening just as much as you're as you're talking, so that you can understand where the similarities and and differences are in a way that we don't we have to just stop shouting at each other, right? So these these conversations are, I, I think, need to be about who, like what we want rather than what we don't want and uh, and doing that in a way that's respectful of differences uh, in opinion. Political conversations can get really heated really quickly and that leads to just a shutdown in the conversation. And I think that's the most damaging thing to the world, the world in which we live over everything else is having those conversations shut down. So carry on that conversation, but make your choice, make it a reasoned, informed choice, and um, and then just wait for election day and get involved. Like, it, if you want to see a better uh, kind of Ontario, then get involved in that process. That's actually the second ever traveling thought from Trevor. Trevor had a traveling thought already. So, uh, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm happy that you chose to have now your second traveling thought on One Dish, One Mike. Thanks, buddy. Now the moment we've <laughs> all been waiting for, though. Sean, what do you have to say about this election? 
do not vote for Doug Ford. I want to make this crystal clear. <laughs> do not do it. If you vote for Doug Ford, we are not friends. Um, for me, this is is really a campaign about education. This is a campaign about uh, knowing where you stand. Can you? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Uh, this is about knowing where you stand. Um, and you can be left leaning, you can be right leaning, but you, what you can't be is stupid. All right. You don't, we don't, Ontario, I'm talking to you. We don't have the time for, for stupidity and a vote for Doug Ford is exactly that. I'm sorry. Um, we can have a difference of politics. We really can. I can have uh, right-wing tendencies. I can agree with some of the fiscal uh, policies of the right wing. I can agree with the left wing too. That is fine. But with Doug Ford, you're not getting intelligence. You're not getting logic. You're not getting clear, conscious thought. You're getting Donald Trump 2.0. And that's that. I mean, if if you're, if you are right wing that's fine but there has to be a point where there has to be a line drawn in the sand where where intelligence outweighs stupidity and to the people listening i love you but do not vote for doug ford that's my traveling thought (laughs) you've been listening to one dish one mic on the niagara podcasters network (laughs) right here at the pop-up podcast studio in cowork niagara pop-up studio (laughs) in stc <laughs> don't forget to to like our posts and retweet us and instagram us and snapchat us and check out our fancy new poster watch the facebook live video uh listen to our episode about voting Re- read what grant lafleche just wrote about sean and i and our varying opinions on it and check out all the other shows in the niagara podcasters network end of plug nagitwa love you guys oh sorry trevor do you think that's his that's his monarch wave <laughs> love you guys there we go do i need to edit everybody's always picking on the white man (laughs) thanks for listening to one dish one mic on the niagara podcasters network your hosts are carl dockstader and sean vanderclus recording is done at the pop-up podcast studio at co-work niagara home of niagara's independent workforce executive producer is trevor twining production assistance by daniel twining show artwork by mitch baird Music by DJ Shub, used with permission. If you have show ideas or comments, you can reach us on Twitter at Niagara Podcasts.